Welcome to Short Stories Podcast, a production of adventuresinaudio.net. Thank you for visiting. It's nice of you to stop by. I'm Robert Crantle. I read short stories of horror, and I also have a podcast of poems called Poemcast. You can find these wherever you find podcasts and always on the website adventuresinaudio.net. So if you ever find that you can't find either of the podcasts, go to the website. All episodes are there. And on uh, the last episode, you know, I told you about a nightmare I had. Well, I had another dream, though not a nightmare. It was strange, just the same. The other day while sitting here working at my desk, uh, actually, it's a table, but I, anyway, I work, I produce the show and my computer and everything's here. And I, sometimes I become fatigued and I uh, decided to lay down. I have a couple of blankets and a pillow and I often take naps right here in the studio instead of walking all the way to the bedroom. So I laid a blanket on the floor and I laid down. The next thing I remember is I'm lying on my back and I can see myself in my chair typing on the keyboard. We've all had dreams that seem very real and vivid, but this seemed authentic. I laid there for what seemed like a long time, just watching myself typing away on the keyboard. I woke up and felt very strange, like I had been somewhere. Nothing in the room had been disturbed, but I felt very strange. Did I have some sort of out of body experience? Or did I just dream I had an out-of-body experience? Huh? Can you do that? I guess so. I don't know. It's nothing to get alarmed about, but it is very, very strange. And as you know, we invite you to send in your nightmares to be read on the show, but you can also send in any kind of strange experience, like an out-of-body thing or whatever. And if you have any thoughts on my particular um, dream here or whatever it was, send it to myhorribledream at gmail.com. And by the way, there is an old episode called The Vengeance of a Dead Man by Robert Barr that was published March 4th, 2016, and is about an out-of-body experience. And someone enters your body while you're out of body and commits murder. Very interesting story. You might want to check that out. Hey, Robert, how are you? This is Arnold from Public Relations. Yes, Arnold, what? I'm kind of busy right now. Uh, Just take a minute. You know, Valentine's Day is here, and, well, we all thought it would be a good idea for you to go into hiding. You're so ugly, it could ruin everything. Hey, what? That's, that, I, 
Uh, I'm so mad. Robert, if the sun noticed you, it would set immediately and say, Oh, no, you don't. I'm not going to shine on that. <laughs> All right, that's about enough. I insist that you leave here at once. Okay, Robert. See you later. Oh, boy. See what I go through here at Adventures in Audio Asylum? <laughs> They're just so mean to me. Well, anyway... It's, it's time now for our feature story. In this story, a man disappears, and his cries for help can be heard, but he cannot be found. I hope you enjoy Entrance and Exit by Algernon Blackwood. These three the old physicist, the girl, and the young Anglican parson who was engaged to her stood by the window of the country house. The blinds were not yet drawn. They could see the dark clump of pines in the field with crests silhouetted against the pale wintry sky of the February afternoon. Snow, freshly fallen, lay upon lawn and hill. A big moon was already lighting up. Yes, that's the wood, the old man said. And it was this very day fifty years ago, February 13, the man disappeared from its shadows, swept in this extraordinary, incredible fashion into invisibility, into some other place. Can you wonder the grove is haunted? A strange impressiveness of manner belied the laugh following the words. Oh, please tell us, the girl whispered. We're all alone now. Curiosity triumphed, yet a vague alarm betrayed itself in her questioning glance she cast for protection at her younger companion, whose fine face, on the other hand, wore an expression that was grave and singularly rapt. He was listening keenly. As though nature, the physicist went on, half to himself. Here and there concealed vacuums, gaps, holes in space. His mind was always speculative, more than speculative, some said, through which a man might drop into invisibility. A new direction, in fact at right angles to the three known ones, Higher space, as Bollier, Gauss, and Hinton might call it, and what you, with your mystical turn, looking toward the young priest, might consider a spiritual change of condition into a region where space and time do not exist and where all dimensions are possible because they are one. But please, the story... The girl begged, not understanding these dark sayings. Although I'm not sure that Arthur ought to hear it, he's much too interested in such queer things as it is. Smiling yet uneasy, she stood closer to his side as though her body might protect his soul. Very briefly, then, you shall hear what I remember of this haunting, for I was barely ten years old at the time. It was evening clear and cold like this, with snow and moonlight, when someone reported to my father that a peculiar sound, variously described as crying, 
singing, wailing, was being heard in the grove. He paid no attention until my sister heard it too and was frightened. Then he sent a groom to investigate. Though the night was brilliant, the man took a lantern. We watched from this very window till we lost his figure against the trees, and the lantern stopped swinging suddenly, as if he put it down. It remained motionless. We waited half an hour, and then my father, curiously excited, I remember, went out quickly, and I, utterly terrified, went after him. We followed his tracks, which came to an end beside the lantern the last step being a stride almost impossible for a man to have made. All around the snow was unbroken by a single mark, but the man himself had vanished. Then we heard him calling for help. Above, behind, beyond us, from all directions at once, yet from none came the sound of his voice. But though we called back, he made no answer and gradually his cries grew fainter and fainter, as if going into tremendous distance, and at last died away altogether. And the man himself? asked both listeners. Never returned, from that day to this day has never been seen. At intervals for weeks and months afterwards, reports came in that he was still heard crying, always crying for help. With time, even these reports ceased for most of us, he added under his breath. And all that is all I know, a mere outline, as you see. The girl did not quite like the story, for the old man's manner made it too convincing. She was half disappointed, half frightened. See, there are others coming home, she exclaimed with a note of relief pointing to a group of figures moving over the snow near the pine trees. Now we can think of tea. She crossed the room to busy herself with the friendly tray as the servant approached to fasten the shutters. The young priest, however deeply interested, talked on with their host, though in a voice almost too low for her to hear. Only the final sentences reached her, making her uneasy, absurdly so, she thought, till afterwards, for matter as we know, interpenetrates matter, she heard, and two objects may conceivably occupy the same space. The odd thing really is that one should hear, but not see, that airwaves should bring the voice, yet ether waves fail to bring the picture. And then the older man, as if certain places in nature, yes, invited the change, places where these extraordinary forces stir from the earth as from the surface of a living being with organ, places like islands, mountaintops, pine woods, especially pines isolated from their kind. You know the queer results of digging absolutely virgin soil, of course, and the theory of the earth's being alive. The voice dropped again. States of mind also helping the forces of the place, she caught the priest's reply in part, such as conditions induced by music, by intense listening, 
by certain moments in the Mass, even by ecstasy, or... I say, what do you think? cried a girl's voice as the others came in with welcome chatter and odors of tweeds and open fields. As we passed your old haunted pine wood, we heard such a queer noise, like someone wailing or crying. Caesar howled and ran, and Harry refused to go in and investigate. He positively funked it. They all laughed. More like a rabbit in a trap than a person crying, explained Harry, a blush kindly concealing his startling pallor. I wanted my tea too much to bother about an old rabbit. It was some time after tea when the girl became aware that the priest had disappeared and putting two and two together ran in alarm to her host's study. Quite easily from the hastily opened shutters, they saw his figure moving across the snow. The moon was very bright over the world, yet he carried a lantern that shone pale yellow against the white. Oh, for God's sakes, quick, she cried, pale with fear. Quick, or we're too late. Arthur's simply wild about such things. Oh, I might have known. I might have guessed. And this is the very night. I'm terrified. By the time he had found his overcoat and slipped round the house with her from the back door, the lantern they saw was already swinging close to the pine wood. The night was still as ice, bitterly cold. Breathlessly they ran, following the tracks. Halfway his steps diverged and were plainly visible in the virgin snow by themselves. They heard the whispering of the branches ahead of them for pines cry even when no airs stir. Follow me close, said the old man sternly. The lantern, he already saw, lay upon the ground unattended. No human figure was anywhere visible. See, the steps come to an end here, he whispered, stooping down as soon as they reached the lantern. The tracks hitherto so regular showed an odd wavering, the snow curiously disturbed. Quite suddenly they stopped. The final step was a very long one, a stride almost immense. As though he was pushed forward from behind, muttered the old man, too low to be overheard, or sucked forward from in front, as in a fall. The girl would have dashed forward but for his strong restraining grasp. She clutched him, uttering a sudden dreadful cry. Hark! I hear his voice! She almost sobbed. They stood still to listen. A mystery that was more than the mystery of night closed about their hearts. A mystery that is beyond life and death. That only great awe and terror can summon from the deeps of the soul. Out of the heart of the trees, fifty feet away, issued a crying voice, half wailing, half singing, very faint. Help! Help! sounded through the still night. For the love of God, pray for me! The melancholy rustling of the pines followed, and then again the singular voice, crying, shot past above their heads, now in front of them, 
now once more behind. It sounded everywhere. It grew fainter and fainter, fading away, it seemed, into distance that somehow was appalling. The grove, however, was empty of all the sighing wind, the snow unbroken by any tread. The moon threw inky shadows, the cold bite. It was terror of ice and death and this awful singing cry. But why pray? screamed the girl, distracted, frantic with her bewildered terror. Why pray? Let us do something to help. Do something. She swung around in a circle, nearly falling to the ground. Suddenly she perceived that the old man had dropped to his knees in the snow beside her and was praying. Because the forces of prayer, of thought, of the will to help alone can reach and succor him where he is now, was all the answer she got. And a moment later both figures were kneeling in the snow, praying, so to speak, their very heart's life out. The search may be imagined, the steps taken by police, friends, newspaper, by the whole country, in fact. But the most curious part of this queer higher space adventure is the end of it, at least the end so far as at present known. For after three weeks, when the winds of March were a roar about the land, there crept over the fields towards the house the small dark figure of a man. He was thin, pallid as a ghost, worn and fearfully emaciated, but upon his face and his eyes were traces of an astonishing radiance, a glory unlike anything ever seen. It may, of course, have been deliberate, or it may have been a genuine loss of memory only. None could say, least of all the girl whom his return snatched from the gates of death. But at any rate, what had come to pass during the interval of his amazing disappearance, he has never yet been able to reveal. And you must never ask me. He would say to her, and repeat even after his complete and speedy restoration to bodily health. For I simply cannot tell. I know no language, you see, that could express it. I was near you all the time. But I was also elsewhere and otherwise. You've been listening to Entrance and Exit by Algernon Blackwood, who once said, Not easily may an individual escape the deep slavery of the herd. I've enjoyed being with you, and now I must go. But I hope to be with you again soon. Please be well, and thank you for listening to me.